You know, you've not, I don't care if you've, how long you've meditated on any one verse, you hadn't squeezed all the juice out of it yet. <laughs> There's still more in there. But we've been in a series uh, for a couple of months now, I guess, uh, on the Word of God. Has it helped you at all? Yes. Praise God, I hope so. And, uh, you know, the stronger we are in our understanding of what we have in the Bible, the more sure, the more steady, the more steadfast, the more unmovable our faith is. You know, for all of us, God is an unseen God right now. Now, people have had visions of Jesus and different, uh, you know, experiences. And I believe in them if they're scriptural. And if the person has an honest track record, I'll listen to them. Uh, but I, I've not, God's not seen fit to open my eyes even once that I know of to see anything in that spirit realm, but I know it's there. See, I don't need to see to believe. Thomas had to see something to believe. But Jesus said, blessed are those. He said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe having not seen. And I just almost prefer it to be that way. I'm, I'm not against whatever God wants to do with me, for me, whatever would be necessary, but I don't need it to believe in it. You know, like the angels that are here today. We've had people see them. We've had kids see them in services. Amen. I remember I had a kid one time come up to you after service and said, you had an angel right here and you'd start slowing down. And he'd say something to you, and man, you took off. Really? Okay. Praise God. Doctor just told a story about that, how God, kids would see that in him. He had an angel on both sides, and he'd start to slow down. One of those angels whispered something in his ear, and he'd take off again. Then the other one would take a turn. But you see, whether we, you know, you brought your angel with you. I brought mine. And there's angels assigned to this church. What are they doing here? Well, they're watching. They're watching. But they're here to assist. That's not my sermon today. But the Word of God talks about, you have, we have angels Available to us. We ought to learn something about that. Amen. Amen. But see, I believe in, uh, I believe in the, the things that the, the Bible reveals. I really believe it because I've come to know. I've come to know that it's a supernatural book that God actually wrote it. Amen. And so we've talked uh, back and forth about that. Uh, you know, and uh, it's just so important that we have that understanding. It's a supernatural book. It's a miracle. It's divine. It's got power in it. Amen. There's power enough in every verse. I mean, if we all ganged up on 1 Peter 2.24, every sick person in the world, we all ganged up on that one scripture at one time, it'd heal everybody and have power left in it. <laughs> it's just powerful. So let's read this again. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, our golden text, verse 16 and 17. And so it says all scripture. How much? Praise God. So the, the verses we like, the verses that challenge us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That tells you how, how did Luke get Luke, the book. Well, it was given to him by divine inspiration. How did Paul get the letter he wrote to the Corinthians? Well, he got it by divine inspiration. And that word inspiration means breath. Breath is a reference to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved upon the Apostle Paul, moved on Matthew, moved on Mark, moved on Luke and John to write what they wrote. 
you know, if I came in, I, I'm not in the habit of doing this, but if I came into Brett who works for me, and I said, I want you to dictate this letter, dear so-and-so, and he takes off. And I, dear so-and-so, this Dr. Cody, greetings, la, 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 la. And everything that came, everything I breathed out, he wrote down perfectly. Well, he, he typed it, but I wrote it. I'm the author of it. You know, if you read those, you know, a lot of times you get to the end of some of these letters Paul wrote, and he starts saying hi to people and bye to people, and sometimes you skip over that. You shouldn't do that. But you get down to some of his letters, and there'll be a name, this epistle written by, and it's not Paul. In other words, Paul's speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, and he's got someone writing that down. But it's still the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Now, what you believe about the origin of the Scriptures is going to determine your approach to the Bible. And your approach to the Bible is everything. If you read it for information, that's all you'll get. If you read it as a religious volume, so you're going to look at it from a religious lens. How can I be religious? That's what you'll get. I like what Wigglesworth said one time, Brother Kevin. He said, uh, he said, some people like to read the Bible in Hebrew. Some people like to read it in Greek. But I like to read it in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> what does he mean by that? The one who authored it. The one who inspired it. The one who knows everything there is about it. I like to have him read it to me and help me understand it. Amen. And uh, so praise God. Well, we've got things to do today, so I'm not going to mess around. We've been talking the last, this will be the third in a row on this. I've been trying to get out a message. Uh, praise God about three things the Word of God brings to your life and mine. Three things that the Word of God brings to your life and mine. The first one, so important, is knowledge. Knowledge. You know, you cannot believe beyond what you know. That's why more people don't believe to be healed. They don't know they can. They don't know they should. They think it's all up to God, that it's kind of a crapshoot, you know, and that hopefully they'll put their number out there and God will call their number to be healed. And that's just not the way it is. But people don't know that. They don't know what they, they're not bad people. They love Jesus with all their heart. You wouldn't question their sincerity for anything. But you cannot believe beyond what you don't know. If you don't know, you can't believe it. Right? And uh, so the, the same thing is true in every single area. The reason most Christians, they don't, they don't have any more angelic assistance and uh, all of that in their life. You know, there's a guardian angel assigned to every person on the earth. Amen. But, it's, you know, and that includes you, you don't lose them when you become a Christian. Right. And yet you got Christians dying in car accidents, tragedies, airplane crashes, all that kind of thing. Well, where's the angel? Did, was he on break? No, there's something that we must know about how to cooperate with that part of our inheritance. Well, where do we go to find that out? To the manual, to the angel manual. Amen? To the Word. Praise God. And so that's a huge one, is knowledge. The second thing that we saw that the Word of God brings to our life is faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you, it's not going to hurt you just to be brutally honest with yourself. If you're weak in faith in some area, that's okay. We know how you can become a giant in faith. Go to the faith factory. 
If you're weak in a certain area, study and meditate the Bible in that area. Faith comes. You didn't say it might come. It says faith comes. Faith comes. Faith comes. Faith comes. It's not hard. Faith comes. How does it come? By hearing. Right? Hearing by the Word of God. So now we're on to this third thing. The third vital, and there are many more. I've just chosen to limit myself here uh, to these three. The third vital thing that the Lord brings to our life, the Word, is direction. Everyone say, direction. Are directions important? I know you men don't think they are. Hallelujah. But uh, I like direction. Amen. And uh, praise God. I want to read this passage to you. We've read this a number of times out of the Phillips New Testament translation. But I want to reread it uh, again to you, this passage. Beginning, I'm going to back up and go to the 14th verse. And so the Phillips translation says, you, Yet you must go on steadily in all of those things that you have learned and which you know are true. Remember from what sort of people your knowledge has come from and how from early childhood your mind has been familiar with the Holy Scriptures, which can open the mind to the salvation which comes through the teaching and, or excuse me, through believing in Jesus Christ. Think about that. The Scriptures open our mind. Praise God. The devil has got media people out there saying, that Christians who are word people, that they're closed-minded. No, we're truth-minded. What they mean by open-minded is we need to be open to forgetting scriptures on homosexuality and sexual purity and morality. That we're too closed-minded. No, we're just right. We're just right. Because God is right. And His Word is right. You know, one of the things about the word, the word is a confronter. It's an exposer. It is a bright and shining light. And just like me, you will, you'll be going along and you'll have darkness in some area of your life or your mind or your soul. Amen. And you hit this scripture and it goes, shines the light on that darkness. You know, that anger problem you got, that, that tendency you have to be touchy and offended over everything. And you read enough scriptures, the light on that's going to go, it's going to shine right on you, right on me in that area. It's not to hurt us, but when you, when you have those moments, don't go to defending yourself. You just remember, need to remember and tell yourself, the Word's right. The Word's right. God's right. The Word is right. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then you just have to bring yourself into agreement with it. So anyway, let's continue reading here. So the scriptures which can open the mind to salvation which comes through believing in Christ Jesus, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the faith and correcting error. Now get this. All scripture is inspired for resetting the direction of a man's life. See, when you come to the Word, when I came to the Word for the first time, really started getting interested in the Word... My life was going in the wrong direction, friend. I was pursuing, I wasn't pursuing the divine call of my life. I was pursuing my call, my dream on my life. 
My whole mode of thinking about every single subject was mine, shaped by school and experiences and influences and things my mom and daddy said and all of that. But all of these things, they pour into our minds and we have a mindset. And out of that mindset, we make decisions all day long. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes or go back and get them. I'm going to give you the three D's. The three D's. You've probably heard me say this before. Decisions set direction. And direction determines destiny. Did you get that? Our decisions is the steering wheel. And our decisions set our direction. And it's our direction. If we stay going this way long enough, it's going to determine our destiny. And one of the vital things the Word of God will bring to all of our lives is the right direction. Can you say amen? Amen. The right direction. How many of you want to go the right direction? So God has not made this difficult. We're getting knowledge from the Word. We're having faith come to us as we meditate on the Word and hear the Word. But then praise God as we are in the Word, a student of the Word, a disciple of the Word. Hopefully what what He's intending for you to do is to take what's written and start making decisions that are in harmony with what you read. And the more and do it as a lifestyle. Hallelujah. Some some folks they need you know, I understand from uh, listening to something like some resources I got from Dr. Seville that only about 12% of the body of Christ tithes. Think about think about why pastors suffer, why why uh, why churches don't fulfill their callings when 12%. Now that's not true around here. That will never be true around here. I won't put up with that. I'll run people off. <laughs> Not personally, but just by, my, just by my stand, just by me talking about it every week for a few minutes. And, uh, but so this is why so many Christians are in the dire financial straits they're in. Living for, they need financial miracle after miracle after miracle. I don't want to live in financial miracles. I want to live in the blessing. I want to live in a flow. Thank God for financial miracles, but I'm, I've had those, and if I need them again, I'll believe for them. But I, I'm in a flow. I, I like a flow Amen. of finances. But there came that time in my life, I, I, I heard it from the preacher, and I read it in the Word, and I was not a tither. But I decided, after some internal struggle, I decided, next paycheck I get, I'm going to turn around with that check, and I'm going to write a check out of my personal checkbook. And I'm going to write it out and I'm going to put it in my pocket and I'm going to get to church as fast as I can. I'm going to put it in there until I get in the habit. I started as a college student and it's amazing. You think, how can I get by? I was already living on ramen and and chips and macaroni and cheese and hot dogs as, as a college student. But it's amazing how much extra money you have when you stop smoking and stop buying beer. It's amazing how much money... But I tell you, I started as a, I think in my junior year in college, I started tithing on that little check I got. And listen, from, that was what, 1994. 1994. How, how many years ago was that now? That's a few. 
Listen, I've been through all kinds of seasons, been through recessions, the 08 crash, different moves. Listen, Amber and I could stand up and testify, go to hell for lying. We have never, never been late on a bill. Now, if she put a stamp on it late, you know, like a day or what, but that's just like an omission, she, you know, or me too. But I'm talking late because you can't pay. Never. Never in our ministry. Never in any of our business dealings. Never in our personal life. All I have done, all I have done since, let's call it 1994, has come up. Now listen... I've been, on, I've been going the tithing direction since, let's call it 1994. So see, my decision set my direction. And it's affecting my destiny. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the Word is instructive. And when you make a decision to conform your life to it, you just made a course correction. You just steered your life. And you, a lot of you don't know, you steered it away from bankruptcy. You steered it away from financial disaster. You steered it, right? And you set your life, your family on a course that's going to lead you to a destination that you're going to want to end up at. I came up here last night to pray a little while, meditate, and the Lord just blew me out. He said, you know, people don't end up Nobody in the earth ends up. You know, some people say, how'd they end up sick or dead or broke or divorced? Or He said, nobody ends up. Everyone arrives. Think about that. That's a heavy revy right there. That's a nice juicy filet mignon in the spirit. You can go home and chew on that like a cud for a while. No one, he said, ends up. Everyone arrives. No one ends up in hell. They arrive. They make, they make good on their reservation. Absolutely. No, one's, no one ends up divorced. Someone made choices. Someone made choices. Now I know in a marriage it takes two. You've got two people making decisions. I understand that. But nobody ends up. Everybody arrives. Arrives where? According to their direction. According to their direction. Amen? Remember in Revelation, in one of those letters Jesus had written to a church, and there was a lady there in that church named Jezebel. Not the Jezebel of the Old Testament, but this new Jezebel girl. And she was a lady in this church with influence, and she was influencing people, saying, Oh, it's all right. Forget what Paul said. Forget all what the Word says about idolatry. It's okay. And it's okay, to, it's okay to have sex with whoever you want to and be sexually immoral. And people were following that example in that church. And Jesus said, I have given her a space of time to repent. But if she doesn't, I'm going to cast her in a sickbed. Her and her children, meaning not her biological offspring, but the people that are following her. But notice, he's basically saying, she's heading this way. I'm giving her time to get it turned around. Through repentance. But if she doesn't, it's going to end up in disaster. So no one ends up, we all arrive. The question is, where do you want to arrive at in your mind? 
in your body, in your family, in your marriage, in, in your afterlife. Well, what, what are the three D's? Decisions determine direction, and our direction determines destiny. It's up to you. Uh, where's that scripture at, Father? I want to I show you this. This is just such a wonderful uh, scripture. Jeremiah 10. Now let's just put this on the screen if we can. Jeremiah 10.23 in the Amplified. Jeremiah 10.23 in the Amplified. Glory to God, you might want to write this down. This is a wonderful scripture. So the third vital thing the Word's going to bring to your life is what? Direction. I was reading it this morning. Um, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. That's the Word of God. Okay. If we'll, we may have to meditate on that a while. What's that mean? I am to have how much? None. No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So, I like to pick people out in the congregation. There's no rhyme or reason to it, you know. I don't want to pick on anybody, but you know, whether it's Caden or me or Jordan or Sherry. Well, are we having some sort of fellowship through the TV with unfruitful works of darkness? Or magazines or people, friends? That are living dark. They do shady stuff. You know, they do dope. They party. They womanize. They, this is for the works of darkness. Well, the Word says, have no fellowship with that. Well, all of us, we have to evaluate our life and make a decision. And the decision we make is going to set our direction. And if we, yeah, and if we say, if we say, uh, well, I'm going to act like I didn't read that scripture. I'm going to continue to go to these raves and parties and drink alcohol and do what I want. Well, you made a decision. And that decision sets your direction. And if you don't change it, you're going to arrive arrested, diseased, on the junk heap of life. Because you cannot live in violation of the Word and win. We've already kind of showed you the supernatural nature of the Word, and it's stronger than you. Amen. Stronger than me. Okay, so to give you enough time, look at this scripture. O Lord, pleads Jeremiah, in the name of the people, I know that, notice this, the determination of the way of a man is not in himself. It is not in man, even in a strong man, or in a man at his best to direct his own steps. Wow. Somebody tell me what that means. Yeah, we don't. He's saying human beings are not capable. He's, that scripture says man, woman doesn't have them in it. It doesn't have it in them. To determine their own way, to direct their own steps. That's why Jesus wants to be the good shepherd. Amen. That's why he says if you'll roll your works off onto the Lord, the Bible says he will order all your steps. Now, think about this. I know, I know we, probably every human being has an element of this in them. 
oh, that's not right. that scripture's not right. I can plan my own way. I'm really good at planning my own way. I planned this, I planned this, and it worked out, la, la, la. You have to make a choice. Is that scripture right or not right? I don't think I've ever paid attention to that scripture until I found it studying for this series. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say to myself, this scripture's right. It doesn't matter what my IQ is. doesn't matter how intelligent. doesn't matter how educated I am. This verse says, I don't have it in me to set the determination of my way. Notice it says, even a strong man, a man or a woman at their best is not capable at getting to the God-ordained destination that he has planned. In other words, you're going to have to get God involved in setting your direction. Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah. What a scripture. The New Living Translation says this, I know that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. We're not able. But the Word does it for us. The Word will do it for you. And then we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to lead us and guide us. But how do we learn how to do that? In the Word. In the Word is where we get our instruction about how to be led by the Spirit. Amen. I would never, I promise you, I I didn't know Paducah was a thing. I really didn't. I had no idea. When when Danny said uh, Paducah, I thought, now what continent is that on? Is that a, maybe that's a Pacific island somewhere that God is calling us to minister to the Samoan people. What, what in the world is a Paducah? I had no idea. Now, I know that you're really more famous than that. I'm glad to be here, but I'm just telling you, I, I had, that was not my plan. You, this, not my plan. But he planned it. And when mama was changing Chrissy's little diaper, it was the plan. But I had to make a series of decisions. Following the word, following the spirit that got me to where I never would have planned. Are you getting it? Praise God. Go to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. You got just a few more minutes with me? What is the third thing the word of God's going to bring to your life? Is direction important? People who don't have direction, what do we call them? Lost. What do we call someone who dies and go to hell? Lost. What's that mean? They didn't have the right direction. They didn't go the right way. And decisions determine direction and your direction determines your destiny. So Proverbs 4, 11 through 13, and again, I want to read this in the Amplified. So if you don't have one, maybe they'll put it up on the screen for us. It says, I have taught you in the way. Now the I, I want you to see, he's talking about Solomon, or David talking to Solomon, or Solomon to his children, whatever. But remember, even though it's a man writing, God is breathing on it. So I, God, have taught you in the way of skillful and godly wisdom, which is comprehensive insight not just a little bit of insight comprehensive means I got everything about everything I need to know into the ways and purposes of God I have led you in paths of uprightness 
When you walk, your steps shall not be hampered. Your path will be clear and open. When you run, you will not stumble. Come on. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Ha, ha, come on. Isn't that a great verse? What is he saying? I have made available to you a divine and a skillful wisdom. The wisdom, I put it down in written form. You call it my word. Take firm hold on its instructions. And if you will do that, when you go to walk, right in that walk, if I'm walking, I'm going somewhere. I'm walking, I'm taking steps. Or if I'm running, I'm going somewhere fast. This is the instruction that I have held to. The wisdom I have attained through the Word is going to ensure that my steps will not be hampered. Amen? That my path will be clear and open. I'm not going to stumble. Amen? And then it says... This instruction is your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So when you read your Bible, listen, you need to be, hmm, okay, maybe i got a notebook here. I'm going to read down. And when I, when I get to an imperative statement, you know in grammar an imperative sentence is a command. It's an instruction. So like a, go clean your room, that's not a declarative sentence. That's an imperative sentence. It's got instruction or command in it. So when the Bible says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase and I'll fill your barns with plenty. Oh, Jesus. What are you going to do about that? Well, I, don't, I, I just decided way back then. That's instruction for me. That's not my current lifestyle. But from my next paycheck on into my life, I'm going to honor the Lord. With all of it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And what happens? God's going to fill your... It may not happen one day or one year, but he's, you're going to keep coming up. You're going to look around. All your barns are going to be full. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the Word of God is full of instruction. How about this instruction? I read this this morning in Ephesians chapter uh, 5. Husbands. Love your wives. And so I said to myself, I think I got that one. But then he said, like Christ loves the church. I went, hmm, hmm, I may still have some work to do. Ladies, if you keep reading, you'll find a gem in there for you. Wives, honor Submit to, respect your husband. Oh, I'm not going to that scoundrel. He doesn't deserve it. Hello. I didn't read that part in there. All it says is respect your husband. You know, if you'll respect your husband by faith, respect does something in the heart of a husband. Mm. And if you'll just sow it as a seed, ladies... I'm not teaching on marriage today, but hallelujah. I know, I know every wife I know wants unconditional love. Right? She gets babies or has babies and her body changes. She still wants to be loved unconditional. 
Right? No matter what happens. Right? Get gray hairs, whatever. That lady wants to be cherished and loved unconditionally. Whether my cooking is good or bad, you need to love me unconditionally. Meaning without, I don't have to earn this. You're supposed to give this to me. But the Bible says on the other side that the husband is to receive unconditional honor and respect. And that purrs a lot, you know, pets a lot of ladies' fur backwards. Because we've heard a lot of teaching on unconditional love, but there's been a lot of... Guys, can I get an amen from the guys out here? Unconditional respect. Well, when he changes, I will. That... Hold, what do you say? Guard instruction. It's life for your marriage. Just do it. Just do it unto God. I'm going to love her unconditionally. I'm going to cherish her. I'm going to love her like my own body. Amen. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> oh, praise God. We're going to have to land this thing. Okay, just a couple of verses. I'll just quote them to you. Psalm 119 verse 105. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. You know, in this season of uh, you know, time on the calendar, it gets dark early. And so someone in the Cody family, other than Pastor Amber, most of the time, you have been doing it some, we have to go lock up the chickens. And it's dark out there. But we've got a little desk thing, and it's full of flashlights. We got, my, grand, my stepdad gives us flashlights every Christmas, so I mean, we got big ones. Amen. But see, we, we just walk with confidence. Because the light, we have light on my feet. Amen. It's a lamp unto my path. Well, listen, that's what the Word of God is. Hmm. I'm going this way. It's a light. Oh, it's dark over there. I'm not going over there. I'm going to stay here where it's light. It, it, this Christian life's not hard. Read the book. Do it. Even if in your, your brain is rebelling. I've had that. Oh. That is just really contrary to the stream of my consciousness. Right? Like, like all kinds of things like run and dance in the Spirit, lay hands on the sick, speak with tongues. I mean, things that freak Christians out. It's all in the Word. Right? <laughs> you know who's blessed? People who do the Word. People who do the Word. The Word may, may, not, it may not make sense to them. And it may crawl all upon their flesh. Like giving your husband unconditional respect. I mean, that may just get all over your flesh. Well, the Bible says what to do with your flesh. Crucify it. Put it down. Amen. You know, my, I, I just appreciate that about my wife. She kind of excels in this area. She's never embarrassed me publicly. Never disagreed with me publicly. 
Always speaks honorably even when I've goofed up, made a decision. And privately too. She never beats me up. I remember I made a decision early on in our marriage. cost us about $25,000 back in the 90s. And I had to come home and tell her about that. And I just put, she was sitting in the home office and I put my head in her lap and uh, just cried and wept. And she just comforted me and told me it was going to be all right. If she was mad at me, she didn't show it. She just cheers me on. Amen. And when she needs to, when she needs to chime up and say something, she does it privately. So I think you need to pray about that like five more times. <laughs> right? Or, you know, I'll have, I'm quick to trust in my personality, in my pastoral office. I, I want to be quick to trust. And I, I've put trust on people new to church or whatever. A lot of times that works out fine. But sometimes she'll go, that person doesn't love you. Oh, come on. She'll go, oh yeah, just watch. Be careful. She ends up being right. Amen. So thank you, honey. You want to stand up here and tell them how good I love you? We trust. Amen. Y'all see it, don't you? Amen. Okay, Psalm 119, verse 133. I like this. In the Amplified, it says, Establish my steps and direct them by means of your word. Stop waiting for the supernatural. Stop waiting for me or Dr. Jacobs or some other prophet to call you out and tell you what way to go. Just be a doer of the word. Start there. Do what the word says and you'll end up in the right place. You will arrive in blessing. You will arrive in success. You will arrive. Remember, nobody ends up, everyone arrives. Hallelujah. So we just simply begin by putting the Word of God into daily practice in our life. Psalm 119, verse number 1 in the Amplified says, Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are the undefiled, the upright, the truly sincere, the blameless. Uh, in the way of the revealed will of God, who walk, Amplified says, who order their conduct and their conversation. Now, when you read the word conversation in the Bible, it means lifestyle. Lifestyle. So he says, those who walk, who order their conduct and their lifestyle in the law of the Lord, the whole of God's revealed will, how will they be? Blessed. You'll be happy. You'll be fortunate. People will envy you. They will want, they may not want your God. They may not want your Jesus. But they will observe your life over time and they will want your life. They will want the health that you walk in, the joy you walk in, the victory you walk in, the prosperity you walk in. Amen. And all of the things that God steers you around. And you just have to say, listen, you could have, you could have my life. But you have to be a doer of what I've been doing. You have to be... A person of the word. Blessed, happy, fortunate is the one who orders their conduct and their lifestyle in the law of the Lord, which is the whole of God's revealed will. Amen. So we're going to close uh, in Matthew. We're going to close right here in Matthew 7. Y'all all right? Matthew chapter 7. Praise God. You getting something out of this? This is the passage I was meditating on last night when the Lord told me, no one ends up, everyone arrives. So in Matthew 7, verse 13, all red letters, right? 
Jesus said, enter you in, where? At the straight gate. Now this is spelled, this is not a misspelling. It's S-T-R-A-I-T. And in the Greek it means pressed or narrow. It means constricted. So Jesus said, enter into that gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to where? Notice, how does someone end up in destruction? They entered in through a gate, and they traveled on a way. And at the end of that way is destruction. Other translations say disaster. Other translations say ruin. Other translations say death. See, nobody ends up destroyed. No one ends up ruined. They arrive there. Wide is the gate. Broad is the way that leads to this, to death, to destruction. And notice this. Many there be which go in thereat. Now, youth, young people, all of us. You better get a hold of your desire to be popular. That was the strongest desire I had in me. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. And it was one of the most destructive forces in my life during that time. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I would do anything, sell my soul to the devil. To be accepted by the many and the end. Listen, if you want to go the way that's popular, you want to go the way that everybody's walking where there's, you're going to have a lot of company. A lot of people. Woo! We got peeps. We got people. I got an entourage. A lot of people going what way? The wrong way. He said, many are there be. Because he said, you know, the translations say, because this way is easy. This way is easy. This way looks nice. This is a paved path. This is, looks sweet. It's broad. We've got a lot of room. There are a lot of people on here. This just must be the way. But the end of that road is death and destruction and ruin and disaster. Young people, you have to make a choice. We all do. Amen. Jesus said, enter into what kind of the gate? Now, I have a disagreement with some translators, not translators, but commentators. They want to interpret narrow gate and a narrow way as difficult or hard. And I understand what they mean in a sense. They mean hard on the flesh. And to be a Christian, especially when you're new and training yourself, it can be hard on the flesh. Hard on the flesh to let go of your social circle. Hard on the flesh not to be popular with the in crowd. Hard on your flesh to give up drinking. Hard on your flesh to whatever, to, you know, keep your pants on. Hello. But he said, you better, if you want life, you have to enter into this constraint. So, but I don't necessarily see it so much as difficult. It's just narrow. Meaning... Like he's talking about this book. This book is the gate. This book is the way. Jesus said, I am the door, and Jesus is the word. So, of all the books in the world, there's only one. 
So it's narrow. Your choices are narrow. They're singular. There's, there, if you want to have real life, I mean, and end up in eternal life, like Rick was saying, end up in heaven, arrive there. Well, you, you got one book. You got to let go all your other little books, your Jewish books and your Quran books and your Eastern meditation books and all your other books. One book will get you there. There's one book that has the words of life in it. It's this book. So I mean, I'm just I'm an intellectual and I'm eclectic and la 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 la, and that's just dumb. When you find out this is the one, you don't need any more. So what I'm saying is what he really, I believe what Jesus is saying here is, yes, it's going to be difficult on your flesh. But you know what? Dying of cancer, that's difficult on your flesh. So what he's saying here is the Christian has fewer options. What what is the world out there offering in closing? Any way you want. No holds barred. You want to marry a man, you're a man, marry a man. It's just no borders. We've got a man running for president and getting votes who's kissing his husband at the end of... I mean, that's just gross. It's an abomination. And he wants to call himself a faithful Christian. He's just deceived. I hope you're not thinking about going that way. Stay out of politics. Yes, honey, thank you. I hear you. Sometimes I can't help myself. Christians are deceived. So, he's talking about, I'm focused. It's not no holds barred. I I have borders. I have a parameter. The Word tells me how to live. And it's going to chop off a whole lot of what the world says is fine. But it's not fine. Right? And so the path we walk as Christians is narrow. It's focused. It's singular. And there's not a lot of people on that path. Jesus said, few there be. He said, this is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. Now there's a lot of people in this room on this path. But I'm talking, he's talking comparatively speaking. So he's saying, you better count the cost and enter into this narrow gate in this narrow way Willing to go it alone. But if you'll walk this way and be a doer of the Word of God, your destination will be glorious. Your destination will be blessed. Your destination will be heaven and reward and eternal life. But all along the way, in this life, it may be narrow, But on this narrow path, there's healing, there's victory, there's prosperity, there's peace, there's joy. Hallelujah. Amen. So bow your heads with me this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much that there is a door.